it's a just real nightmare, man. And the fact that it's bankrupting so many people, harming people's health. And I would say it's one of those major psychological stressors. Like when people aren't, they don't have enough health insurance or they don't have the right kind of health insurance. You're like, you can't even live, right? You're scared to get in the car or go on a jog. I mean, it just... And it hits you when you're already down most right. of the time. Right. You've had a healthcare issue and then it whacks you because now not only do you have a healthcare issue, you have a financial issue. Right. Right. Which are two are probably the most important things in your, your life, um, all happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tremendous problem that we think with this, this structure, you know, solves a lot of that. Hey everybody, welcome to the What Is Money Show. I am thrilled to have you here joining me on my mission to help shine light on the corruption of money. Now, if this is your first time listening to the What Is Money Show, I strongly recommend that you go back to episodes one through nine first, which lays a lot of the groundwork for many of the concepts that we explore on the show. These first nine episodes are my series with Michael Saylor and thousands of people have told me that this is the best podcast series they've ever heard hands down, and that it was instrumental to their understanding of money and Bitcoin. So if you're looking to start uh, a deep dive into the nature of money, I don't think there's any place better that you can start other than episode one of this show. Now, a little bit about this show and how it makes money. The What Is Money show is 100% sponsor-based. So all of our revenues are derived from direct sponsorships. And I strive to be very selective about the sponsors that I work with, specifically only using sponsors that I use personally, and also choosing sponsors that have values which are well aligned to the values expressed on this show, such as freedom, education, self-sovereignty, etc. So what I'm going to do now is a few ad reads right at the top of the show, and then I'll do a few more ad reads in the middle. And I hope you'll take the time to listen to them, as again, these are hand-selected sponsors, and I think you'll like what they have to offer. Today's podcast is brought to you by In Wolf's Clothing. Wolf is the first startup accelerator dedicated exclusively to the Bitcoin Lightning Network. Four times per year, Wolf brings teams from around the world to New York City to work with like-minded entrepreneurs, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with Bitcoin and Lightning. The program is designed to help early-stage companies achieve product market fit, develop their brand, secure early-stage funding, and grow businesses that help fuel the global adoption of Bitcoin. So go to wolfnyc.com to learn more about the program or apply. Again, that's WolfNYC, W-O-L-F-N-Y-C.com. Andy Schoonover, welcome back to the What Is Money Show. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be here. It's nice to have you. We're sitting here in person this time. We're in Miami. Uh, Bitcoin 2023 starts tomorrow. Let's do it. We've got Thank God for Bitcoin going on yesterday and today. Um, I know you're participating in that after this. Uh, just by way of quick introduction, you are the CEO of Crowd Health. What are you guys doing over at Crowd Health? Yeah, you know, we um I know we talked a little bit about this last time we were on, but we we're really trying to to disrupt the way that we pay for healthcare. You know, it's one of those things where healthcare, health insurance is I think the third most hated industry. Uh, I think Gallup did a poll two or three years ago and it was I think it was government, pharma, 
health insurance. And so I'm, I'm not sure wow. how that's changed over the last three years. The government hasn't served us very well. Pharma surely isn't serving mm-hmm. us well and health insurance hasn't either. And so, you know, everybody hates their health insurance. Yeah. And it's like, how, how can we do this better? And in fact, I got a note from one of our fellow Bitcoiners, Matt Snow yesterday, who works for Trammel Venture Partners. And he's like, dude, I can't believe this. I'm in a doctor's facility and each doctor is a part of a different network I don't know which ones I can go to and I can't go to, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, imagine an anesthesiologist when you're sitting there at the hospital that's in network, but the anesthesiologist who, you know, just puts you under so you have no idea what's going on is out of network. And and it's like the craziness of this this health insurance world is is impacting tons of people. Yeah. Um, you had 250,000 people last year go bankrupt wow. due to medical events, even though they had health insurance. Wow. So they have health insurance and they're going bankrupt. So there's a massive problem out there. And we can talk, we're going to talk about this a little later probably, but it's a $4.6 trillion industry. That's 25% of US GDP. Something like that. You know, and it's bigger than the GDP of every country on the planet except China, the United States, and Japan. Wow. Our healthcare system. And so something's got to be done here. We're, we're, we're just screwing a lot of money. Yeah. Um, by being massively inefficient in the way that we pay for healthcare, and so we're trying to change that, utilizing Bitcoin in many ways. Yeah, so, um, we're we're fired up about it. That's really cool. Um, yeah, this is one of those areas where we always, often say Bitcoin fixes this, but unless you're really down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, I don't know that you actually respect how far that goes because this is a consequence of fiat, right? Largely, this this broken healthcare system. There's a chart that comes to mind for me here. The number, the ratio of administrators to healthcare providers since 1971, and the, the ratio has exploded like it's a thousand x administrators per healthcare provider. So it's just all this bureaucratic bloat in the system, and it has to do with the excess of state interference and regulation and all of these yeah, things. Sure. So, and people, and it's and it's and it's affecting health outcomes and the quality of healthcare, right? People are, not only are prices going up, but quality is going down. And so we have to do, we got to make a move, right? We got to get back to something that works. The graph you're referencing, by the way, is almost unbelievable. It is actually unbelievable. I mean, it's, it is flat in terms of the number of doctors mm. yep. and the amount number of administrators goes like vertical, vertical. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, most doctors have about three admins per doctor, mm-hmm. and that is primarily to bill health insurance. Yeah, and so it is a super inefficient way. So it's thirty percent, forty percent of cost, something like that, is just a bill. Whereas you know, if you were just to go up and say, hey, "I'm going to pay in cash," like we do for everything else, yeah. you yeah. know, in, yeah. in our yeah. our buying habits, I'm going to pay in cash. I'm going to pay with a credit card, whatever yeah. it is. The f- it's one or two percent, yeah, versus thirty or forty. Um, and that would be ripping a trillion dollars basically of costs out of, of the system right. and dramatically change the budget for the U.S. government. Oh. Um, you know, we wouldn't be having to, to, to print all this money if, if we were able oh. to do that. I mean, this impacts so much of our, our economy that people just don't even think about it. Yeah, it's, it's another consequence of the central planning of money. Yeah. Not something that's intuitive or obvious necessarily, but it's there. Um, and uh, just a personal anecdote here. One of the most frustrating things I've had with my health experiences is 
you go in to get a certain procedure done or whatever the thing the doctor says you need done and you say, okay, well, how much is that going to cost me? And they'll tell you, well, we can't tell you how much it's going to cost you until we bill your insurance. And I'm like, okay, well, go ahead and bill my insurance and tell me how much it's going to cost. And they say, well, we can't bill your insurance until after we perform the procedure. I'm like, so you're telling me you want me to agree to have this thing done that you can't tell me how much it costs until after I have the thing done. It's preposterous. Preposterous. There's no other word for it. It's like, how can I even, how can I engage in a consensual trade with you when you can't tell me what the price is? It's like the lawn mowing guy comes and mows your lawn and then it comes later and you ask how much is it going to cost? Like, I can't tell you until after I mow your lawn. He yeah. comes and he's like, it's $5,000. And you're yeah. like, like, hold on. Yeah. Like, this doesn't make, this doesn't make any sense. But the, the way that the system is set up you and I have very little incentive to figure out what the price is mm -hmm. because we're ultimately not paying for it. Mm -hmm. Somebody else. That's right. Third party corporate entity is the payer yeah. um, in that situation. And so there's no incentive to go and let the free market work yeah. to reduce those, those prices. Right. You just flip down an insurance card, the health insurance plan pays it or maybe doesn't. And, and maybe it doesn't. Right. And you don't find that until you get something in the mail that yeah. says, you know, your explanation of benefits, yeah. is what it's called, how much the insurance company paid. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I joke that I live in Texas. I, there's two pieces of mail I don't like. One is my property taxes because I have no idea how much those are going to be. And the second is something from an insurance plan because you're like, okay, I just went in and did, had something happen. I don't yeah. know if I owe $5, $500 or $5,000, yeah. you know, or in some cases, $50,000. Yeah. And that's just the craziness of our of our health system is there is no incentive for me and you to really right. care until later right right which is a, a high time preference approach to to healthcare yeah put down the insurance card now figure it out later and it's is just it, a and is it awful this, way of doing it the opposite of the purpose of insurance is like i'm paying a fixed amount to know that i can avoid the uncertainty of a the uncertainty of costs effectively like of course there are ranges, right? That's what the deductible is supposed to be. But now it's gotten to the point where you literally just have no idea. Like I can go in and plop down the insurance card. They may or may not pay it. I may or may not get a bill yeah. for five, ten, fifty thousand dollars six months later, three months later. It's like it doesn't it defeats the whole purpose yeah. of being insured, really. What are you guys doing differently? Like what is and and I think we should unpack the business model of crowd health because it's not health insurance. It's something totally very different. So can you just like slowly walk us through how this thing works and how it's different from traditional health insurance? Yeah, sure. So for traditional health insurance, you're paying a premium every month. It goes into this you know big pile of fiat at a health insurance company. They use that money to pay your bills. And then for um, if you're out of network or in network and you have deductibles and co-pays, they figure that all out on the back end. We do it totally different. Um, we charge you... Uh, $175 a month um, and 50 of that goes to us as our subscription fee. That's our only revenue source. The remaining 125 can be used to help other people in the community with their health bills. Uh -huh. So if uh, Robert broke his arm and it's $5,000, then we would go around to, you know, a hundred people and ask them for 50 bucks and they would send that money directly to Robert. He would have it in his account, so then he could go and pay in cash at the point of care for his broken arm. Mm -hmm. And that all happens within a day or two of mm -hmm. that, that crowdfunding happens. So instead of plunking down an insurance card, you plunk down your Visa or MasterCard or whatever, and it's paid immediately 
that doctor gets paid immediately, which they love. And as a result of that, they're giving us way better prices. Mm-hmm. So they don't have to pay for that infrastructure of health insurance plans. So for bills greater than $1,000, we're getting somewhere around 60% better pricing than a health insurance plan would get for the same procedure. Wow. Which we then pass that directly on to to our members. Mm. Um, and so that's how that works. And in essence, it's kind of a, um, a peer-to-peer funding of, of our health bills as opposed to having a health insurance plan, you know, mm. sitting between us. Yeah. So I got a joke. It's, it's kind of back to the future right? for hundreds, if not thousands of years, if somebody in our community got hurt, we would all gather around them and help them. And we would take personal responsibility for that person in our, mm-hmm. in our community. Whereas, you know, in the 1970s, and we were talking about this before we started, mm-hmm. a lot of crap went wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the insurance companies and the government gotten in between me and you. So I no longer feel responsible for my neighbor. Right. I just say, oh, you know, the insurance company's got it or the government's got it or right. whatever. Um, this totally changes that. Yeah. So yeah, it's a peer to peer funding of each other's healthcare expenses, which takes out what a ton of the inefficiencies in that, in that system. Yeah. It makes sense. And it's, so it's a radically new business model because yeah, nobody's doing this. No one this else is, is doing totally this, yeah. but it does mirror like the old way of doing things yeah. where you know, if someone got hurt in the local community, you know, typically through the church, people would kind of crowdsource some funds and then, you know, pay for the procedure or whatever needed to be done to help the person out. Yeah, exactly. Um, where this age, yeah, please is, is, you know, if what we also do is we help people find really great doctors Mm -hmm. in their area, you know, health insurance plans, they have networks. Yeah. And so, you know, we talked about this a little bit the last time I was on, but those those networks are you have to go to somebody in that network mm-hmm. or you're out of network and you have to pay, mm-hmm. you know, a lot more. Um, and the problem with these networks is that the prices for those stocks in network are actually a lot higher than mm-hmm. if you were to pay them in in cash. Right. So we take out, strip out all of those networks and you can go to whatever doctor you want to go to mm-hmm. if you are if you want us to help you find a doc, you know, because we like sending them to independent docs, not private equity owned, mm-hmm. not big hospital system owned. And they're the ones that are more appreciative of being, you know, taking cash and we'll give you bigger discounts for that. So we can find you a really great doctor in Austin, Texas, who will do your ACL repair mm-hmm. or whatever it, it may be. So we we help those those people. And the interesting thing about what we are doing in our incentives versus a health insurance plans incentives is we have an incentive to find you a really great doctor for a really great price and fight for you that bill to get paid. Right. Insurance plans have these big networks and will fight like hell to keep from having to pay that bill. Right. Right. So we have a principal agent problem where yes. you know yeah. the insurance company is supposed to be our agent yeah. to help us, you know, negotiate these prices really lower mm-hmm. and to fight for us on our behalf to mm-hmm. get these bills paid. But in fact, it's the exact opposite right. of that. They're actually fighting to pay our yeah. bills because the difference between how much money they take in and how much money they pass out is profit. Right. And so they have every incentive in the world to not pay the bills. That's right. We have every incentive in the world to make sure that those bills get crowdfunded. Because if Robert Breedlove has a, a an issue and you're a member of Crowd yeah. Health and we're appreciative of that, and you don't get your bill paid, you can go on Twitter to your hundreds of thousands of followers mm-hmm. and say, this Crowd Health is, you know, 
a, a joke because they couldn't get my bill right. paid. Right. So we will fight with you, be your ally, yeah. walk alongside you. And in fact, if you go to Twitter, you know, most people are like, man, I can't believe, like, I feel so cared for mm-hmm. because our incentive system is different. Yeah. You know, the only way we make money is a subscription fee. And so we have every incentive to keep you as a member and for you to say great things about us and that you can attract more people to yeah. crowd health. Like the incentives are totally aligned as opposed to the screwed up healthcare system, health insurance system. And that's where the ethos of Bitcoin shines yeah, in the company absolutely. too. It's just an alignment of incentives. And um, yeah, the, the, the adversarial thing, I mean, that's why they're overcharging in the first place, right? These providers are charging health insurance companies so much more because they know the health insurance company is going to pay them a fraction of what they charge. Totally. And then to the extent the health insurance company cannot underpay the doctor they'll also pass some of that cost back to the consumer as i said three months later with a bill you know this was not an approved procedure or whatever whatever it's a just real nightmare man and the fact that it's bankrupting so many people harming people's health and i would say it's one of those major psychological stressors like when people aren't they don't have enough health insurance or they don't have the right kind of health insurance you're like, you can't even live, right? You're scared to get in the car or go on a jog. I mean, it just... And it hits you when you're already down most right. of the time. Right. You've had a healthcare issue and then it whacks you because now not only do you have a healthcare issue, you have a financial issue. Right. Right. Which are two are probably the most important things in your, your life, um, all happening at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous problem that we think with this this structure, you know, solves a lot of that. So we we touched on that this is kind of a consequence of fiat. Again, not an obvious one. We we talk a lot on this show about 1971. Obviously, yeah. going off the gold standard. You brought up earlier the HMO Act, which was also in in the early 70s, I believe. 1973. Yeah. How did that? What what is that? And how did it contribute to us getting to this? Dis- totally screwed up form of health insurance we have today. Yeah. Up until the 1950s, 60s, um, it was more of a mutual aid type of situation Mm -hmm. where a bunch of people got together, primarily through the church, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and they would just help each other. There'd be a little bit more um, infrastructure around helping each other. Mm -hmm. The 1970s, uh, 1973, the HMO Act basically um, put into law our current system of large organizations having these big networks that we then have to go to to be able to get the care, right? And the the thought there was like, well, these big health insurers could negotiate down our prices. But in fact, what has happened, if you look at the graph, since 1973, prices have, you know, gone vertical, like we've, mm-hmm. like you said before, creating a, a bunch of craziness in, in that system. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Similar to the uh, time that the dollar was depegged from from gold, <laughs> um, you know the the health insurance um, plans came into existence. So all the large health insurance plans, Aetna, United, mm-hmm. Cigna, all came into existence right around 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know that basically put into law what we are currently seeing now, 50 years later. Wow, and yeah, I think an H. I, I don't know exactly, but... Uh, Health eight, maintenance organization is what a yeah, well, HMO is. What yeah. we know them in, in the U.S. is like, you just want to avoid HMOs, basically, yeah. right? <laughs> and most people are like, 
HMO, PPO, all these things. It's 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 crazy town where we're using all these acronyms yeah. that nobody really understands yeah. about their healthcare. It's yeah. about their healthcare, right? Yeah. Things that we should understand, things that we should take personal responsibility yes. for. We are outsourcing to a big corporation that could really care less. Right, right. Um, and and I mean, I, I was a CFO for a number of years, so we were a sophisticated buyer of these plans for our hundreds of employees. It's not; it's probably the most complicated thing that I, ha- most complicated purchasing decision I had to make was figuring out the right health plan. Yeah, I, if you've ever looked at these things side by side, and tr- like it, it, it's just maddening. And I guess I assume that's by design, just trying to be opaque and complicated. But yeah, I mean, a couple of things here. One is it was built on a B two B type of relationship. Mm-hmm. This is really a industry between the hospital systems and the insurance companies mm-hmm. with us as the consumers as just being almost a nuisance mm-hmm. as a part right. of that system. And so there is no direct consumer kind of component to this. And so they're making it confusing because it's a B2B relationship mm-hmm. that they just have not presented in a consumer you know, friendly, friendly way. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the primary reason for, for why it's, it's, it's so confusing, but yeah, yeah, they're, they're trying to, to, to make people confused. And, you know, if people are confused, then they're kind of like, okay, well, I'll guess I'll just pay it. You know, I, I went to uh, Stanford for business school. I was talking to my buddy the other day who Mm. graduated second in our class. And he's like, there is nothing in this world that makes me feel like an idiot, like health insurance. So true. You know, it's it's like you can read through the hundred and forty pages of your member guide, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What the hell did I just read?" <laughs> you know, you have no idea what yeah. what you're reading. Yeah. And this is health insurance. This is your yeah. second biz- biggest expense. It's the most important thing in your life. Your healthcare. Yeah. Um. So you know, ours is like ten pages, and it's you know jokes throughout, and yeah. like we want you to be okay with understanding how this all works. Yeah. You know, maximum transparency is, is possible. Uh, so, good. so it's a totally different way of looking at this. That's super cool. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, the gold investment letter. The gold investment letter helps sophisticated investors navigate capital markets and maximize their profits in trading gold, silver, and mining stocks. The Gold Investment Letter seeks out the most undervalued companies and identifies special situations in the mining sector, and then provides in-depth analysis on both their financial positions and future prospects. The Gold Investment Letter explores many complex domains, such as investor psychology, portfolio management, and macroeconomic trends, all with the goal of making you a better investor. The Gold Investment Letter offers a free version and a paid premium version And I strongly recommend you at least sign up for the free version because after having read a few of these issues, I can promise you it is a treasure trove of good information. You can sign up for the free newsletter today at goldinvestmentletter.com. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, iCoin Technology. iCoin has just released a sleek new hardware wallet. Looks like a mini iPhone, a little touch screen and camera on it. Uh, The device has no Wi-Fi, no cellular connection, no GPS. It's a strictly physically cold hardware wallet. Uh, like I said, it's got a high-res three-inch touchscreen. It's got a camera for air gapping the wallet. Uh, it's got optional Bluetooth compatibility, and it's a really a, a brand new UI UX experience for a hardware wallet, making it very accessible, easy to use, not intimidating. 
And as we always talk about on this show, the only way you can truly own your Bitcoin is by having it in self-custody. So you need a device like iCoin Wallet to truly own your Bitcoin. Go to iCoinTechnology.com today and use promo code BITCOIN23 for 30% off of this new sleek hardware wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is a Bitcoin-enabled alternative to legacy health insurance. Now let's face it. Legacy health insurance is an absolute scam. Nobody can explain this better than the legendary comedian Chris Rock. Insurance. You got to have some insurance. You got to. There's an insurance. They shouldn't even call it insurance. They should just call it in case shit. Now, I give a company some money in case shit happens. Now, if shit don't happen, shouldn't I get my money back? So with CrowdHealth, instead of just paying premiums that you'll never see again, you can hold part of this pool of savings in dollars and in Bitcoin through CrowdHealth. And when you have a health event, you can draw against this pool of communal savings. So go to joincrowdhealth.com slash breedlove to learn more or sign up. Now let's talk a little bit about how you guys... Obviously, you have the ethos of Bitcoin with the incentive alignment, the transparency, all of these other things we're talking about. What are you doing to actually use Bitcoin, the technology? Um, I know perhaps you're doing some of your payments and some of the the member contribution, member contributions that you maintain a pool of. Maybe some of that is in Bitcoin, but uh, I think you're doing some things on the Lightning Network as well. Yeah. Um, What what do you guys, how do you guys embrace Bitcoin? Because we, we, had kind of built this outside of of the Bitcoin, but I was having lunch with Jimmy Song, who I know you know, um, and he, you know he he was saying, you know, these insurance companies are have this big pool of fiat, and it's with seven, eight, nine percent inflation CPI, right? We all know it's probably higher than that, but you know that that value is going, that pool of fiat's value is going down month by month, mm-hmm. day by day, really, and you know. You with the kind of chronic inflation, systemic inflation within healthcare, those two things compound each other, mm-hmm. and so that's what we're seeing, especially now. I think it, this year is like twenty percent on average increases in in health insurance premiums. Wow! And it's supposed to be worse next year. Um, and so he's like, "Well, why don't you allow people to hold some of that in Bitcoin?" And I was like, man, I love that, mm-hmm. right? And so it, w- giving somebody a Bitcoin alternative to to the money they're currently paying in was interesting to me. I'm a Bitcoiner. Um, and so we started it that way. You know, the challenge with that has been that with the banking regulations over the last couple of years, especially on the custodial side, mm-hmm. which is what we were using, mm-hmm. we were using, you know, uh, Prime Trust, um, mm-hmm. and you know they lost Texas, they lost New York, they lost North right. Carolina, they right. lost a bunch of these states, which were big states for us. And so we're we're now starting to think about like how do we debank our healthcare? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're we're looking at doing, and you know, would love your feedback on this. And we're actually looking for feedback from other Bitcoiners, is saying, can we replicate what we're doing completely over the Lightning Network? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you would pay us over lightning, you would pay each other over lightning. And then ultimately what we'd love to do is we'd be pay, love to pay the docs in lightning mm-hmm. so that we can have this 
you know, circular Bitcoin economy starting to be presented. Like we mentioned earlier, this is $4.6 trillion. If we can get Bitcoin to be more pervasive in the payment structure of how we do healthcare, then we think the use case for Bitcoin goes up. Sure. The, um, the value of Bitcoin goes right. up to, to everybody. And I think that's one of the rips that people have against Bitcoin is like, oh, well, it's great, but it's, you can't use it anywhere. You know, it's like, yeah. if we can use it within the healthcare system, the largest industry on the planet, probably, mm-hmm. um, you know, that totally crushes that. And it creates a way better, more efficient payment system on on our end. So yeah. um, that's what we're looking to do with 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 Lightning. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I like the idea too. Of, I mean, because part of what you're doing here is driving your members toward more free market healthcare provisioning of services, right? Away from these large hospital systems that are going to be mired in regulations and administrators and inefficiencies, yeah. and you're actually sending them to these to doctors that are entrepreneurial, I guess for lack of a better term, that they're lean, they're mean, they're they're providing good value for the prices charged. And I think those people would obviously be very willing to embrace Bitcoin just given it's kind of like money optimized for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, so it makes a lot of sense. And then the circularity factor is nice too, because if you're never selling the Bitcoin, well, that's just more reservation demand for the Bitcoin and more number go up, as we say. Yeah. And we, we have now about 3,500 folks who are part of Crowd Health, mm-hmm. um, maybe just shy of 4,000 in there. Mm-hmm. If we had those people going to their doctors and saying, you know, will you accept Bitcoin? Right. Um, and we start orange pilling the medical community, mm-hmm. I think there's a movement there. Um, and so that's what I'm really excited about is let's orange pill as many people as, as possible. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe it's one or two or three or 4% of our transactions to start, but, you know, and we'll report this, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully it's 7% the next year and 10% the next year. And it's like, we're, we're all in this for the long game. Yeah. You know, I, I, I truly believe that we can make an impact on the usefulness of, of Bitcoin, yeah. you know, the, the, the use cases of Bitcoin through, through healthcare. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of just my small uh num n you know in 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 my world but i get doctors all the time contacting me and saying hey will you pay us in bitcoin mm-hmm. or can you get us more bitcoiners to come <laughs> to come to us i'll give you a discount right. if you pay in in bitcoin and a lot of the bitcoiners want to go to bitcoin docs for sure they think about the world and and our healthcare yes way differently than the medical industrial complex yes. that wants to put pharma on us, that wants right. to, you know, still go by the food pyramid, right. by all of these things that are that are old school ways of of looking at our health. Whereas these Bitcoin docs are like, no, no, we think about this differently. Mm-hmm. Let's let's, you know, I, I went to a just real quick. I went to a cardiologist the other day. Uh, all is good, no problems. But you know, he's like, oh, you know, I see your cholesterol is high, and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a I'm primarily keto and he's like oh well you need to you know stop eating red meat because that's inflammatory and that's going to lead to heart attacks and and i'm like and i'm out of here right and i was like (laughs) and we have people all the time being like can you find us more bitcoin docs and if we put this out there that we're looking for them then man that could be value added in itself sure um and so you'll see that over over the next 30 days we're gonna start building a database of bitcoin docs um, that people can go to. And I think you'll get better better healthcare as a result of it. Yeah, I keep 
saying this about Bitcoin events, like it's one of the most enjoyable experiences for me to come and interact with Bitcoiners. And I think it's because as a Bitcoiner, you're, you automatically know if I'm sitting across the table or meeting a new person that just says they're a Bitcoiner, you know that we're ethically, morally aligned, probably aligned on nutrition, probably aligned on uh, traditional values, things like this. So there's this automatic camaraderie between Bitcoiners. And they also typically happen to be very smart in their own niche of whatever they work on. So there's always like good stimulating conversation. There's a lot of value to that, right? Rather than trying to like get to know someone and making small talk and then you have to learn that your doctor thinks that steak is inflammatory or whatever before you're like out of there. Yeah. Just If you know they're a Bitcoiner, they're probably okay with like traditional ancestral diets sure. or something like that. Um, it's like yeah. seeing the the pretty girl at church. You're like, you know, like, hey, I know at least the the basics are. Yeah, you know, yeah. So right. you know, saying, um, yeah, yeah. Church provided that actually, yeah, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And and the back in the day, that's what church provided. Yeah. So yeah, I I hundred percent agree with you. And then think about that and take it one step farther, which is, you know, our Bitcoin community will uh, fund each other's healthcare expenses. Yeah. And so if you have a group of people who are acting in a way, most likely that is aligned with the way that you would act when it comes to your healthcare. Mm -hmm. You take care of your body, you eat mm. the right things, you know, those types of, of uh, just characteristics, your healthcare expenses are gonna be lower right. than a fiat healthcare right, system right, right. where, you know, 70% of the American public are overweight. Yeah. You know, I think it's something like 58 or 59% are obese. Yeah. And so you are helping other people in the Bitcoin community with their healthcare expenses. So we get almost no illnesses. Mm -hmm. It's all, you know, face plants on mountain bikes, yeah. it's skiing injuries, it things like that. Adrenaline junkie injuries. Yeah, exactly. Which in the grand scheme of things aren't that expensive. Yeah. Um and so it's it's cool and that's why we're able to keep our our, you know, pricing so low yeah. is you're you're helping other people who look I'm not look don't look like you, but you know like you know like well, fit, physically fit yeah. to take care of themselves. Yeah, there's a you're not going to get as much metabolic sickness exactly. and all all the stuff you get from the sad this what is it the standard american diet sad yeah. that's what causes most of the disease as far as i can tell i mean i'm relying on experts here like uh carnivore md my buddy paul yeah, saladino sure. on he's always you know inflammation uh too much sugar all of these things are like primary contributors to basically every major pathology in the u.s and 80 percent of our chronic diseases are directly from nutrition from diet exactly yeah. and you know doctors are not trained in nutrition at medical schools yeah you know i i had a tweet the other day where i went on harvard's medical school's list of classes mm -hmm. and there was one for nutrition and it was all about how to cook wow and it was mostly plant-based, which yeah. is, you know, fine. I'm not going to rip on the plant-based folks, but like, you know, that's the nutrition that they got yeah. at Harvard. And somebody actually responded to my tweet and they're like, it's actually good that they didn't get trained in nutrition because the nutrition they would have gotten trained in was all, would be all fiat, fiat nutrition. you know, nutrition. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, the American Heart Association has said that, uh, you know, fatty foods creates, you know, leads to heart attacks. Mm -hmm. They've done that for 50 years. Mm -hmm. Like imagine them having to come back and say, we were wrong. Yeah. We, within right. our human nature, are not very good at saying we were wrong. Right. Right. And so it's nearly impossible for a big organization like that, that is funded in part by mm -hmm. pharma, mm -hmm. 
to come back and say we were wrong. Right. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I think drugs like Lipitor and these other things are like their number one revenue driver. It's it's statins, which is yeah. a cholesterol-lowering drug, right. is the most profitable pharmaceutical ever to be created. Yeah. You know, and a bunch of us are on it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so, you know, it's, it's, it's this medical industrial complex, not too dissimilar from... You know the the uh, the industrial complexes of of the past, yeah. including the military industrial complex. Yeah. They're all in the they're the number one funder lobbyist. They're the number yeah. one funder of campaigns. They're the number one you know funder of some of these big you know healthcare organizations. Yeah. American Diabetes Association, same thing, right? Yeah, which is all obviously diet driven. It's yeah. it's so obviously yeah. dietary, and yet they have now categorized it as a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. It's like no, no, no. This is not a chronic illness. This is a bad nutrition has led to you for ninety five percent of the people. One percent is type one diabetics, yep. which is just you were born with this most likely, and your body is mm-hmm. not be able to create insulin. That's a totally different yep. thing. Type two is all nutrition. Yeah. Um. And so that can be reversed. Yeah. And here's the crazy stat. One out of four dollars in the United States medical system, healthcare system, is spent on diabetics. Hmm. So over a wow. trillion dollars spent on diabetics, wow. all of which or the vast majority of which can be reversed or not have happened if you had better nutritional guidance. Wow. So that's, that's back to the food pyramid. Yeah, back right? to the pyramid. Yeah. And so that's how pervasive pharma, these big, you know, healthcare organizations, American whatever association, heart, diabetes, yeah. whatever it be, are so impactful on our 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 healthcare and are bringing our economy down, yeah. which leads us back to the overprinting of money and the need for Bitcoin. Yeah. Like it's all a circular, yeah. you know, conversation here. Yeah, it's so fascinating how it, you wouldn't think money would have would cause so many changes, but you see like Bitcoiners are proof essentially. You see Bitcoiners getting into Bitcoin and then they get into ancestral diets and they get into traditional values and they they just lead healthier, happier lives overall. And it, it's a fascinating phenomenon, honestly. Now you- Walking through this conference, you see people that look very, very different from you know any other yeah. conference that I've, I've been to. And yes, yeah. there are some that are, for whatever reason, are not nutritionally healthy. But I mean, it is, the, it, the average here is the BMI average here, I would say, is significantly lower For sure. than the, the national average. Yeah. And a part of it, too, probably is just like, you know, there's a, a not a, a public shaming, but there's just an expectation if you're in the Bitcoin community, be like, <laughs> proof of work. Take care of yourself, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, even if I go to a Bitcoin dinner, I'm like, I'm going to have steak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it really is a proof of work thing. and I, It is. You know, not doesn't mean you have to like work out and get in good shape, but it's like, just take care of yourself yeah. basically. And you are your own responsibility, take which is a personal like, responsibility. Exactly. And that's, that's what something Bitcoin teaches us deeply. Yeah, for sure. Um, you did something really cool, actually. Uh, I, this was maybe six months ago. You were having actually some health events. Yeah. Um, and you, you walked through the entire journey kind of in the public eye yeah. on Twitter um, and you were also going through your own crowd health, using crowd health yeah. basically to go through that. Yeah. Can you, if you don't mind, sorry to put you on the spot about this, uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about what happened, you know, how you used crowd health to deal with it and then what, what kind of your experience was. Yeah, sure. Um, so I was having chest pains, um, and you know, chest pains is not something you mess with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I went to, uh, as a part of Crowd Health, you get access to unlimited virtual primary care. Mm -hmm. So I logged in, I talked to a doc, and I said, hey man, I got chest pains. And he's like, you should definitely go see a cardiologist. You know, he walked me through like, do you, do you feel shortness of breath and things? Mm -hmm. none, none of that stuff I had, but he's like, you know, just to make sure. So that was free for me um, as a member of Crowd Health. Mm -hmm. Went to the cardiologist. Um, cardiologist was basically, you know, did all the kind of the workup and he's like, I see that you're uninsured. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm uninsured. And we kind of joke at Crown mm -hmm. Health, we're, we're delightfully uninsured. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, with this uninsured thing has this, this connotation of, you know, being a bad thing. And we're one of the few that's like, no, more people should be uninsured yeah. because insurance is such a perverse type of, of incentive. So he said, great. So I, I got a 60% discount on that visit. So I think it ended up being like $149 or something like that for that cardiology visit. Um, and so he's like, you should do a, a stress echo test. I was like, great, I'll go do a stress echo test. Mm. I got the stress echo test for, I think it was $149, mm. um, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, you should go get a, a chest x-ray. I was like, great, I'll go get a chest x-ray. That was $100. So I got a cardiology, a primary care visit a cardiology visit, a stress echo test, an X-ray of my of my chest. Oh, and I got some some blood drawn too, all for under five hundred dollars. Wow! Like that entire and and I had somebody who many Bitcoiners would know. He asked me to keep his name, you know, non or, or not public. Um, but he's like, I just went and got a stress echo test, and it was six thousand dollars. Wow! So that one thing alone, that stress echo test, was six thousand dollars. And I was I walked through this as a member of Crowd Health just so I could show people one how easy this is. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a an internal person at Crowd Health who's my care advocate. I talked to her this one person every single time, which mm -hmm. is what you'll have and you have at Crowd Health and others have. You can text her, you can call her, you can do whatever you want. You know, you, there's mm -hmm. a, a number of ways to get a hold of her. She walked me through how I would do this, and I was like, man, it sucks that I have chest pain. Um, but it's great that I have somebody who can walk alongside me mm -hmm. and, and it cost me 500 bucks, um, turning yeah. anything. And in essence, what it was is I had an inflammation of my rib cage. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's easily, um, it's gone now yeah. um, from, you know, three or four months ago. Wow. So I walked through that. It was so simple. I was like, man, this is beautiful. The other quick thing too, is the doctor said, um, Hey, when you get your stress echo, um, what normally what I would do is I would ask you to come back in to talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. But since you're uninsured, why don't I just give you a call? And so you mm -hmm. won't have to pay for the the visit. And I'm like, great. Huh. <laughs> you know, and so like they were excited that yeah. I was a, um, you know, a, a cash pay right. patient. And so they were actually doing things for me that weren't to, you know, massively, overcharge the health insurance right. system but to actually care for me right as their as their patient which i think that's the heart of most doctors yeah and health insurance is the number one reason why doctors are currently leaving they're getting burned out yeah. because of health insurance yeah um is you know you have this little health insurance company sitting on your shoulder telling you right. what you can and can't do say they'll pay you and then not pay you yeah and they're just like it's a breath of fresh air if you have somebody who's just going to come in and say, "Hey, I'm I'm paying with the credit card." Right. Um, it's beautiful. So I didn't even have to use the crowd health crowdfunding component of mm -hmm. that because everything under five hundred dollars for a health event mm -hmm. is my responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I paid five hundred bucks for that, and 
man, I pay, I save 500 bucks a month using crowd health. So I was happy to, to, to right, right. That's so great. It was a, it was a cool, I, I, I wanted to walk through the entire experience as the CEO. Yeah. I can't manufacture a health event. This right. just happened to, you know, happened to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fortunately the outcome was good. That's cool to hear that they started dealing with you as an individual rather than trying, because he would have called you back in for that expensive appointment. Just he would have charged me 300 bucks for that appointment company. or something. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Wasabi Wallet. With Wasabi Wallet, you can receive, send, and store Bitcoin privately. In Wasabi Wallet, your transaction history and wallet balance are completely hidden. Wasabi Wallet is easy to use. All of its privacy features are built in by default, and it works with any amount of Bitcoin. Wasabi users can make CoinJoin transactions together with BTC Pay server users or Trezor Suite users. For BTC Pay server users, they can make payments directly inside of a CoinJoin. And for Trezor Suite users, you can make CoinJoins directly on a hardware wallet. These features result in the fee savings and security improvements for both sets of users. So go to wasabiwallet.io today to download the state-of-the-art Bitcoin privacy wallet. Now I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Casa. Casa makes it simple to buy and secure your Bitcoin without wondering whether you're doing it right. Specifically, Casa provides a multi-key custody solution, which is by far the most secure way to custody your Bitcoin. Now, when I talk about Bitcoin being theft-proof money or inviolable private property, a multi-key custody model is exactly what I am talking about. Using multiple keys lets you maintain full control of your Bitcoin while also giving you redundancy in case you lose one of the keys. It's also the best way to secure your Bitcoin for inheritance planning purposes. So go to keys.casa, that's C-A-S-A, today to sign up and use discount code BREEDLOVE. And it, again, back to the wastefulness and inefficiency. It's like the thing that can be solved with a phone call. He's instead going to do the in-person appointment just to bill. And if you just think about how much that accumulates in the system, yeah. it's like the whole thing is just a giant wasteful. Well, and now when you go in to see a doctor, like most people's experience, mine in traditional healthcare is like the doctor spends 90 seconds with you, yeah. right? You wait three hours, I you see the, the doctor for like 90 six minutes or it's something crazy. Like <laughs> Well, it's on the on the doctor side. They're trying to with the insurance system. They're trying to maximize billing, and in the insurance side, I as a consumer of healthcare, I I think I'm getting screwed by health insurance, mm -hmm. which we all do think mm -hmm. we get screwed by our health insurance. And so I'm trying to extract as much value out of the system as possible, mm -hmm. which is just this whole spiral of increasing costs. Yeah. Now think about that in terms of that what we're talking about today and you have a bunch of bitcoiners who are all helping each other out mm -hmm. like we have people who come back and we had a bitcoiner who had colon cancer mm -hmm. and the first thing he said was like man i don't want to screw the community like mm -hmm. will you help me walk through this mm -hmm. so that you know i'm not you know overburdening the community and mm -hmm. it's like you would never hear that within the health right. insurance space like so, people are starting to think yeah. about how it impacts other people within their community. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, it's it, it changes the behavior which has to be changed for this system to get to get right sized. Yeah, it's it's like reintroducing the the humanness to healthcare or something. Yeah. Or we've we've abstracted it so far that it's just a numbers game, right? It, 
I used to work in healthcare software for a little bit, and so I was privy to some of these doctors, you know, closed door meetings. And the way they talked about healthcare was very—it's kind of disgusting, right? It's like how much, how many procedures can we give per unit of time to get X number of revenue? Yeah. It's like, is anyone going to talk about how you actually make the patient better here? Like, I don't—it didn't come up very often. Let's say it was much more of a numbers business-driven conversation. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I was at my previous uh, career. I was selling into health plans. Yeah. And so I was at the chief medical officer's office of one of the largest health plans in the country. Um, and we were trying to talk to them about reducing the diabetics A1C. A1C is just a measure of average glucose over a period of time. Mm-hmm. So your your average glucose over the last six months is your A1C in mm-hmm. essence. And he, literally his response was, F them. They don't lose limbs or organs until they're in Medicare, right? So this is a commercial plan from a chief medical officer. And I'm like really like that's what a chief medical officer just told me of one of the biggest health plans on the planet that's the way that they some of these health plans think about their people internally i'm not saying all health plan people sure. are bad all i'm saying is that we have become numbers and barcodes yes. as opposed to human beings yes you know and so what we say is you know fund humans not health insurance mm. like i'm funding you and your healthcare right. need not this big insurance company where the CEOs make in yeah. you know, 20 or 30 or $40 million a year. Like we're directly paying for each other's, you know, healthcare needs and crowd health doesn't touch any of that money. Yeah. So it goes from your account to their account. Yeah. I don't touch any of it. I yeah. just touch that $50 subscription fee. Right. That's all I touch. So it's just a totally different way of, of thinking about doing this. Um, it's a great, Great example, too, because it's not to point fingers. It's not to say, oh, this is a bad medical director. It's, again, the incentives, right? There's an incentive to dehumanize or depersonalize when you're in this large medical industrial complex. I don't really know what else to call it, right? You're not looking at people as people. You're looking at rows on a spreadsheet, right? And you're trying to optimize for a number. Whereas in a more communal model, you're actually the guy that's has the pathology is actually concerned about burdening the members with getting his yeah. payment you know like you change is your entire the way you see the world the way you act in the world in this case the healthcare world changes as a result of the incentive structure totally and it's hard to overstate how powerful that is yeah totally but the other thing too is we're, it's it, you're right it's all about incentives and there's a couple other things that we do that i think uh, motivate people to act appropriately um one is whenever I submit a health bill to the community, they get two things from me they, that they know about me or that bill. One is how generous has Andy been to others in the community? Mm-hmm. So in the last you know 10 times I've been asked to help other people, have I said yes or no? Oh, right. And so it's if I've reputation. said, you know, no, 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 right? Like I've been a crappy member of the community, right? And yeah. back in the day when I got hurt, Maybe not a whole lot of community members would gather around me yeah. if, you know, I did treat them like right. you know, <laughs> right. the Hatfields aren't coming to the McCoys to help them out. Right. Like they just you haven't been very good neighbors. Um, and so we tell people how generous you've been. It's a reputation. Mm-hmm. The other thing we'd say is, hey, is your bill that you're submitting a reasonable bill for that procedure? And so the way that we look at that is saying, hey, if, if we can find an alternative provider that's within 20% mm-hmm. of that bill, then uh, you're good to go. Um, but if you want to go to the Mayo Clinic because you have a flu and you want to 
you know, send your bill to Robert for $5,000 when it should have been $250, like you as a funder of that bill should know that. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we let you know, we give you a score on that bill to say, Hey, these, this person actually like tried to, you know, do some, some work to find a really good provider Mm -hmm. for this. And we do all the work on our end. Like all you have to do is call us and let us know that you're looking for 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 somebody and we only do that for bills over a thousand dollars like decent size gotcha. bill so if you go to primary care doc and it's like 225 versus mm-hmm. 150 yeah. we're actually like great like that yeah. primary care doc is going to spend more time with you that's we want to support that yeah, yeah, yeah but if you go to the mayo clinic for a flu like right like, come on dude like right. people shouldn't have to be paying for that right um so we try to create some incentive systems internally too to say hey just be a good actor right um just, so. just be prudent, right? Just be prudent. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Makes sense. And given it's so easy, there's no reason not to be prudent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. that's super cool. And then the, that hand-holding, that's a big, I mean, I imagine that's a big value add. I haven't gone through the process yet, knock on wood, haven't had any issues. Yeah. Um, but the frustration of trying to find the right healthcare provider in my past experience has been pretty significant, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Again, with it, you don't know how much does this cost. They can't tell you until they do it. And you're trying to compare. It's like you can't compare because you can't get prices. So yeah. I can imagine having someone that you can communicate with that knows their way around the space is is very helpful for yeah. members. And knows the good docs in your, yeah. your area, you know, that, that have a reputation for real, doing a, a, a really good job. I mean, yeah. I, I think that in itself, as opposed to just... If you had health insurance, you'd go online, you'd type in, you know, your provide or whatever cardiologist. Mm-hmm. It would give you a list of cardiologists, and you're like, okay, which one do I pick? Yeah, <laughs> you know, for us, you can actually call us and we say, hey, here's ones in the area that we know are are good, um, or that we've heard are good. Yeah. We're also allowing our members. We will hear shortly to if they go to a doc and it, that doc was really great to mm-hmm. provide feedback for that doc. So if anybody else in the area. Mm. Um, you know, needed a doc that was similar. They have some feedback from somebody in the community. So my cardiologist, for example, in, in Austin, um, it wasn't a great one. Like, mm-hmm. and so I'd right. probably go back. And he was he was actually super patient friendly. Yeah. Just his kind of medical background and training around inflammation wasn't good. Right. Um, and so I will I will give that feedback to him yeah. to them. Um, so you have that all in one place again, trying to be able to find really good doctors is such a good value add for us. That's super cool. Um, well, cool, man. I've kept you long enough, I think. you. So you're headed off to speak at Thank God for Bitcoin. Yeah. What are you talking about there? Um, you know, money is freedom, mm. you know, and uh, so it should be a good good one. I'm, I'm up with Mark Moss and, and Zuby is going to be there. Oh, cool. Which will, be, which will be fun to hear, you know, what he has to say. Um, you know, I, I think he, I, I really enjoy him and I know that he has done some shit coinery in the past, but I think he has come to the Bitcoin side of- Who's that, Zuby? Zuby. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so oh. he, he gets ripped on a lot, but he's a super good dude. I got yeah, a I like chance Zuby. to talk to him a number of times. He's going to be at our, our happy hour tomorrow. Oh, nice. And, uh, I just think he stands for, for freedom. Yeah. Know, especially through some of this COVID nonsense and, and, uh, you know, he's one that's stood firm in his his belief on some of these things. So I, I have tons of, of yeah. He has so. great takes on Twitter. And, great takes. Um, some of the best. Yeah, some of the best. Yeah. And I'm amazed. Like he seems to be able to say things in a way that doesn't get him targeted or canceled or censored or whatever. But he's still kind of saying he does. 
it's it's a skill. He's got a way of saying the thing without saying it too bluntly to get in trouble. Um, and yeah, I've spent some time with him. He seems like a very very cool dude. He worries about getting canceled. Yeah, you know, and and that's one of the things too where a lot of the industries, I and mean, especially within Bitcoin, there's a lot of tangential spaces in which we all play where it's very easy for us to get canceled. But what I've sensed from Bitcoiners is that we're willing to say it regardless of the repercussions. Yeah. You know, and in and, and healthcare, we're going up against some of the largest companies on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, United Healthcare, CVS Aetna, I think yeah. the sixth and seventh largest companies, which you know, could if they wanted to put some some heat on folks like us. Yeah. But I think we need more people, especially within this Bitcoin community, to stand up and say, like, you know what, I don't care. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't care what the financial ramifications are. I don't care in, because we're on a mission here. Yeah. And one of the things I tell people starting new companies in Bitcoin or not in Bitcoin is find missionaries, not mercenaries. Mm. You know, find people who are so passionate about what you're doing with a goal of impacting human beings you yeah. know impacting our 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 world and are have money as a secondary component of that mm-hmm. you know and that's what i'm finding within the bitcoin community is like this is not necessarily about making a lot of money yeah this is about a mission to say something is going awry here we need to stand up regardless of whether we're canceled yeah man i just dig that you know yeah. we can add that to the characteristics that you mentioned earlier is like people are willing to stand up and say enough is enough like well, it's truth telling right yeah, it's and it's again sure. there's this weird thing where like which is so countercultural right now truth telling countercultural what did um maybe it was orwell when a society drifts so far from the truth it starts to attack people i'm butchering the quote now basically when a society has moved so far from the truth, those who speak it are considered treasonous, effectively. Yeah. And but there's this weird phenomenon with Bitcoin that I, I think we're all kind of dancing around. No one really understands how it works. But something about the attributes of good money tend to imprint themselves as attributes on the people that really embrace it. Doesn't mean you use you send a Bitcoin transaction that makes you more truthful. Yeah, but it's like you become an adherent or. Uh, you become studious of the rabbit hole and it actually starts to change you, right? Like it changes your time preference, changes your dietary habits. Maybe it changes your orientation towards having children or the community, whatever else. And although I don't, I don't think anyone can explain how that works. It definitely seems to work, right? You get more people that are just, what did Jordan Peterson say? He goes, you have to embrace truth no matter what. And then just accept that as the adventure of your life, whatever the consequences are. Yeah. Um, Elon yesterday. I not, I don't know about Elon. It's like ultimate troll. I don't know if good, bad. I don't know where he, where he lands. But at least what he said, he's saying, I'm going to say whatever I want. Like, give me money. Give me power. I don't care. I'm going to say what I want. Now, I don't know if he's convicted in saying that or not, but that's a good framing for it. Yeah. For Bitcoiners. It's like, we're just here... Gosh, it sounds overly grandiose. Maybe it's like we're trying to like save the human species in a way. It's like humans destroy themselves by creating fiat currency and all of the th- all of the institutional bullshit that gets built up around it. Healthcare being a big one, yeah. Military being another big one. Mainstream media being another big one. Big pharma being another big one. And all of it, at least maybe not all of it, but a lot of it is rooted in this money. And so. Bitcoiners are just people standing up saying, this is not good for my species, so I'm going to go against it no matter the cost. 
And I don't know, on this show, we, we push that envelope a little bit far. I love it. It's been YouTube that we've gotten a warning and a strike from for medical misinformation. Yeah. And you ask them what it is, they can't tell you. Yeah. They won't tell you. You appeal it. Like, what specifically did we say in this episode that violated your policy? Yeah. They don't tell you. So there are dangers, there are risks, um, but I'm fully subscribed to this idea of just embrace the truth and, and enjoy the adventure of your life, wherever it may take you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think that there is some, uh, there is something that a lot of us believe in, and just in terms of like the biblical truth, there's just the innate truth that we are, um, when we are created, it is woven together within us and you know, Jesus in the Bible talks about money mm-hmm. more than anything, mm-hmm. you know, and he talk he warns about the love of money, mm-hmm. you know, and in essence, what we have done is built a system that the love of money is pervasive. That's right. And there is no checks on that. And therefore we are, you know, printing trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars who are hurting the most vulnerable. It's not hurting me and you. I mean, it is in a way, but it's, you and I are going to be fine. Yeah. Right. It is the people Praise who are, or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is the people who are, you know, middle and lower class who are feeling this seven, eight, nine, more likely 14, 15, 16% inflations that now can't pay for food, now can't yeah. pay for housing, that now can't do these things. And it's like, take care of the, the most vulnerable within your population. And what are we doing? We're doing the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the upper class is getting larger. Most of that money being printed printed over the last three or four years. Where is it gone? It's gone to the upper class, not to the, the the folks. And we're now ripping away their money from them through this inflationary yeah. you know process. And it's like, man, like Bitcoin is the only way that I see to get around with that. And that's why I think I'm going to you know talk to the thank God for Bitcoin. Um, thing. It is the only way in which we're going to be able to keep people from being um, lured in by that that yes. love of money, and therefore a biblical a biblical standard. You know, some theologians will probably disagree with me on that, but well, I mean, I think it is very very clear. Yeah, I mean that the, you're about to go speak at Thank God for Bitcoin. I'm an investor in the media company we co-authored the book. Like, there's a strong argument, right? It's honest weights and measured honest weights and measures. Uh, I think it's also very telling that the one time we see Christ invoke like righteous anger in the entire Bible is against the money changers. And it's like, what are, what are Bitcoiners standing against the money changers, central bankers? The, the world is run by, uh, a, a deceptive institution at the least. Well, could just leave it at that. But, um, yeah, we, we, we have to follow that example, right? Yeah. It's ancient wisdom, if you will. So I, I don't, I know you got to go. I know you got to go speak at this thing. We could probably go down this rabbit hole for a long time. For sure. Um, Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you for doing this. Where yeah. can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in this lightning um, component of what we're doing, you know, we even need more Bitcoiners to support Bitcoin companies. You know, go to joincrowdhealth.com slash lightning because um, we'd love to, your your involvement in that. You can find us, Join Crowd Health on Twitter is our most active. Um, you can find me, Schoonover, uh, Andy is my Twitter handle. So would love for you to, to join us there. Awesome. We will link to all that in the show notes. Andy, thank you again, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah.